One more time, if you love Jesus all across this house, can we make a little bit of noise in this place? And then go ahead and high-five your neighbor, and you can have a seat, have a seat, have a seat. Awesome. Thank you, thank you, thank you, team, for worshiping. I love you guys so much. This is our worship team, and man, just so grateful for them every single week, what they do. And I'm uh, just honored that you're here. Again, we're in this series called Summer School, and guess what? You are at uh, a church in the summer, and I'm just going to tell you, man, that is a big deal because you could be anywhere else. But you're here today, and, and again, we've been in a series just for a week talking about this idea of, uh, uh, of, okay, these are things that we wish they would have taught us in school. Come on, we talked about it last week a little bit. We'll kind of take a poll again. How many of us wish they'd have taught us some real practical stuff in school, right? Like like some basic maintenance on some cars? Come on, that would have been nice to know, right? I think that would have been good for a lot of people to be able to go through something like that. And, and then the biggest one is how to file a tax return. Come on, somebody. Come on, wouldn't we like some help on doing that? Come on, it's not because I want to put all our tax friends out of business, not because of that. I just like to know what these schedules and these numbers mean. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what I'd like to know. And I, I think when we talk about the school, when we talk about what we wish we'd have learned in school, I think we can also bring that within church, right? Because there's some things in church that we wish they'd have taught us. And again, what we're going to talk about today is kind of a, a piggyback off of last week. So spiritual warfare, we talked about this fact that it is real, that spiritual warfare is something that you need to understand that's Satan hates you. He doesn't like you. That he, He's not your friend. And I, I made it really personal because I wanted you to understand he doesn't like your kids. He doesn't like your marriage. He doesn't like your finances. He doesn't like any of that. Like, and he is, his job is to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the main goal of the enemy. And so I want us to understand that as we kind of carry that into this week, I want us to realize that, that our resources, our money, the things that we do with the things that God has entrusted us to, I want you to see that that's spiritual as well. That there's some spiritual, there's some spirituality to that. And I believe that that's something we're going to talk about. But again, before we get into talking about it, I started, I did this last week. I'd like to do it again just to kind of ease the pain a little bit as we talk about something that's uncomfortable. And I'm going to tell a Boudreaux joke. Everybody good with a Boudreaux joke again? All right, so Boudreaux, if you don't know nothing about Boudreaux, Boudreaux is this like deep South Caucasian man, and this guy named Boudreaux, and he's got a buddy named Thibodeau, and they do all kinds of stuff together. Well, Boudreaux got a phone call from the bank one day, and the banker, he showed up to the church, or showed up to the bank and was like, hey, Boudreaux, I just got to tell you, your finances are a wreck, bro. Like, you have no, like, it's bad. It's real bad. And he's like, oh, man, that's, that's not me. That's not me. That's my wife. And he's like, oh, no, 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 that's not, like, man, there is literally, there, like, you're, you're, you're up here, and you're doing all of this, and you're saying all of this, and man, man, listen, like, you, y'all are in bad shape, you're overdrawn, you're all just, can anybody relate, come on, somebody, okay, like, like you, you're in the red, like, no, 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 listen, listen, so, so why are you up here defending yourself, why are you up here, why are you up here having this, this argument with me, and, and Boudreaux looked back at that banker and said, boss, I just got to tell you the truth, Mr. Banker, because I'd rather argue with you than I would with her, come on, somebody. Right? Hey, I'm just going to tell you, when we start talking about money, how many of you know some heated discussions take place? Come on, somebody. In the, in the house, anybody? Just, just our family sometimes happens. I think, again, what happens is, is that, that like, just like Boudreaux, we'd rather not talk about it. Right? Come on. Is there anybody in the room that would be honest and say, you know what? I'd rather just not talk about that. We can be honest. This is church. I get it. 
Okay, we can be honest together. I understand that. I want to take a different approach to it today because I think there's a principle behind it as we give that's not just about giving. And I want to talk to us about that today. And I think it's perfect timing of the year because we see it happening a lot. And we kind of talked a little bit about a farmer last year uh, when we were in a series called Soldier Athlete Farmer. But I want to kind of bring back this idea for a second of what this idea, I think if you can get this principle in your life, it's going to change your life. If you will begin to understand it, excuse me, and I want you to write some notes down because listen, the Lord loves note takers in church. Come on, somebody, right? So I want you to write this down. Uh, again, I want you to write this first thing down. And again, if we can get this principle, I think it's going to help us overall. Something I wish they'd have taught us growing up. Everybody good? Yeah. All right, first thing I want you to write down is sowing and reaping is a principle. That sowing and reaping is a principle. I just talked to Miss Lisa on the way in, a, a farming family in our church. And man, I'm a farmer, but I'm a chicken farmer that wears skinny jeans. Yes, okay, but I have 54,000 chickens. And uh, I don't understand necessarily this idea of sowing and reaping as well as somebody that is a crop farmer. And so what happens is you understand in the natural world what happens with sowing and reaping, right? We understand the fact is that somebody will take a, a seed or something, they will put it into the ground, and good seeds will be put into good soil and with some nurture and some care for the crop. What happens? Eventually what happens? Come on, it's not a trick question. Come on, somebody, right? We're like, I can't say anything. We're talking about money. It's weird in here. No, 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 no. Okay. I'm going to ease everybody's tension together. But I want you to understand that when you take a seed, you put it in the ground, you nurture it, you care for it, you water it, what happens? It grows, right? And so what I want us to think about really quick, again, that is in the natural world. But I think God uses things like that to teach us about even a supernatural principle that takes place. And I want us to see something that's similar to this principle of sowing and reaping actually goes beyond just what happens out in a field somewhere with a John Deere tractor. And it actually happens in our daily lives. See, even Paul is telling us right here in verse 6, he says, hey, remember this. A farmer, he's trying to use an analogy here. He's saying, hey, once you understand, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But a farmer who plants generously will get a generous crop. And in another book, actually, he's talking to another church. Paul had this to write. He says this in Galatians chapter 6. He says, hey, 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 listen, don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Watch what he says. A man reaps what he what? A man reaps what he sows. And so what I want us to understand is that this principle reminds us, and it's something I think we all got to take away from today, that our actions, there is a consequence attached to that action. That there is something attached. Now the world may call that karma. I don't call that karma. I call that sowing and reaping. Okay, that they, they've twisted that. The world is might, might have twisted that. I call it sowing and reaping. And what I have to just encourage you with is this idea that a farmer, listen, will, they cannot sow corn in the ground and grow watermelons. Come on, somebody. Can't happen. Right? It ain't going to happen. No, no, no. you got to understand that what you plant will eventually come up. What, what you put in the ground will eventually make its way up and out of it. So what I want to challenge us with, as a farmer sows seeds to produce a great harvest, every single day, you and I, what are we doing? We are sowing seeds in our lives through relationships, through our character, through spiritual growth. And again, the seeds that we sow, I want us to understand, can be positive or negative. Like the, the consequence of that. Like if we sow seeds of love, kindness, generosity, faith, all of these things that according to the fruit of the Spirit are like we can expect to reap those things in our life. We can expect to reap in the middle of chaos, we can still have joy. That in the middle of something going on, we can still have peace. 
Right? But when we're willing to understand this principle of sowing and reaping. The same can be true, though, if you and I are sowing seeds of hatred or gossip or selfishness or deceit. Just get ready to reap the consequences of those actions. And this is my question for you. My challenge for us as we're talking through this today. If you're not liking what you're reaping or what your life may look like, maybe it's time to look and see what you are putting in the ground. Maybe it's time to look and see what you are sowing. And I think that's something that we got to just be aware of in my own life. Okay, what does my own life look like? What does that look like for Dustin McLean and our family? And as I lead this church, okay, how, how does that look? And so right now in your life, I want us to understand the things that you're show, sowing, they may not show up for two, three, four, five years down the road. Like you got to realize that, that the things that you are investing in and putting in the ground, they may not show up. And I want you to just... Take inventory really quick because you are building the life now that you're going to live in in the future. And so my question is, how does the future look? Right? How's that look? Is it a, okay, I'm, I'm excited about that. I'm excited about the things that, 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 man, that God is doing and what he's going to do in my life in the future. Or are you sowing some things that are causing discord or, or whatever it might be? And I just want to challenge you with this principle of sowing and reaping. It's a thing. It's in the Bible. And Paul uses this analogy to illustrate not only just about the, the farmer sowing and reaping, but about this idea of generosity and giving. He talks about a farmer who gives just a little bit. He's going to get just a little bit. But somebody that, that literally plants generously will get a generous crop. And that takes me to the next point I want you to write down. Is that this, this next thing I want you to see is that generosity is actually a spirit. Okay, like generosity is actually a spirit. Generously sowing is actually a spirit. I want us to see that. We'll see it again as he kind of walks down through this in just a second. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7. He says, well, you must decide in your heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Again, look at me. There is no pressure from me. You, I know what you may think in church. Man, the church is all about money. The church needs that. The church has to have it. The church has got to preach on it because, man, they got a bill they can't pay. Look at me. We got all the bills paid. Come on, somebody, all right? And, and some, okay? It's not like, we're not just trying. We, we, we are good stewards of what God has given us. And shout out to, to Kyle and our, literally our, our like the, the finances that we have as our operations pastor, that man is a, an incredible uh, steward of our resources. And our trustees, man, incredible stewards of our resources. And I just want to shout them out for a second, but I got to thinking about that for a second. Listen, we're not going to ask you to give reluctantly or in, uh, in response to pressure. No, 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 no. Watch what God says. For God loves a person who gives what? Come on, say that like you got some cheer in you. Come on, say it. Yeah, you can't say cheerfully like this. You got to say it with a smile on your face. Come on, say cheerfully with a smile on your face. Go ahead. Cheerfully. There you go. Somebody gives cheerfully. Because this is what I know. Giving is something that we do, but generous is something that we are and who we are. And I just think that there is an attitude, there is a spirit around this idea of generosity. And it's not out of obligation or pressure. I, I got this. You ever met somebody before that you knew that they didn't want to do something Yet they did it, and they told you how badly they didn't want to do it, and yet they did it anyway, and they told you about how badly they didn't want to do it in the first place? Come on, anybody ever been around somebody like that? How many? Anybody? Five? Okay, five, five, five. Y'all been around five people like that? You got five? Just kidding. Sorry. I had a monster this morning. Y'all just get ready, okay? So, 
So, so like, you've probably been around those people, right? That you've been around them where you say, oh, my gosh, they complain about what they didn't want to do, and yet they did it, but they complained that they ended up doing it, right? This means yes in Kentucky. Come on, help me out, okay? We've been there. We know what that. Maybe that's you sometimes. Maybe that's me sometimes. And I want to say, listen, I think the attitude behind it is just as important as the action of giving it and doing it. And I think that that's something that I just want to challenge in our church today. That generosity is not just something that we do. It's a spirit that we have. It's something that we walk in. God loves a cheerful giver. Not, not a I have to or out of compulsion or out of randomness or like with no intention. No, no, no. God loves a cheerful giver. And listen, out of response to what Jesus has done in my life, as a part of demonstrating my trust in God, as a part of worshiping and great, being grateful and thankful for what Jesus has done, I get to do this. And we say at this church all the time, generosity is a privilege. That, I, man, I'm so thankful I get to. Like, man, I get to come to church. Come on, y'all ever been there where I have to go to church? Come on, we're trying to shift that a little bit. Like, I get to go. I get to be a part of investing in the next generation. I get to give my time. I get to give my talent, my treasure to advance the gospel. That's the spirit God is after. That's the spirit that God is after. This is something I want for our church, and I want our church to be about, and I want this to be something that you are about as well. Generosity is a privilege. And it's, listen, again, it's not about the amount, but the attitude behind the amount that I think is just as important. I want to just challenge you with that. Again, we can have all the talent in the world. And we can say, God, I'm giving you all this talent, but I'm really mad about it. Guess what? I'd rather you not give your talent to God. If I'm being honest. He, he loves a cheerful giver. Not somebody's doing it reluctantly. Well, I guess I got to today. No, no, no. I, I, I get to do this. A generosity is a privilege. I love how he goes on to talk about in verse 9. He says, as the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Come on, I love that. I love the idea that, guess what, even as a church, man, we're going to be a church that tithes again. Oh, we give away 10% of everything you bring back to the local storehouse. We're saying, hey, how can we feed people? How can we encourage people? How can we help people? How can we go out there and make a difference? Why? So this right here, not just for ourselves, but so that they can give glory to God. And watch as you have a generous spirit. Watch what happens. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. And I got to thinking about that. You want to be a part of something that lasts have a generous spirit. Have a generous spirit. Okay, cool. Everybody good? Everybody okay? He's yes in Kentucky. For everybody, don't want to say nothing. Okay, cool. Next one is this. You can't sow what you don't know. For the spirit of Dr. Seuss right now in the room, all right? You can't sow what you don't know. Like, you and I can't sow responsibly if we don't take inventory of what we have in the first place. And I, I just want to challenge you with this idea of stewardship. It's the word. Managing the resources, the time, the talent, the treasure that God has entrusted to you. Because he's entrusted that to you and me. Like, like, listen, I don't have the same gifts and talents and abilities that you have. I don't have the same finances that you have. And I, we don't have the same everything. Guess what? We've been, stewardship is just managing and caring for the things that God has given you. And I want to challenge you with that. And I think it's important that you would sit down and you and I, let's get real practical really quick. Everybody okay with that? Real practical. Make a plan. You got to know how much you have coming in. You got to know what's going out. And I'm going to use a cuss word in church right now. Budget. 
budget. That's, that's, a, that's sometimes like, ooh, ooh, no. I'm just going to tell you, budget is important. This is something I've had to learn even in my, as I'm growing. and as I, We all have room to grow. We all have areas where we can grow, but this is an area even of my own personal life, even as we steward the finances of our church. Okay, we got a budget. We got a plan. We're going to pray about it. We're going to talk about it. And you want to know why I'm so passionate about it? It's because 87% fact of people worry about money every day. It's because the average non-house, non-business debt in the United States is $155,602. The number one reason for divorce, it's not communication, guess what it is? Money. Like, like the number one cause of anxiety and depression, guess what it is? Money. A, a rising on, on the charts of suicides, you know why it's happening? Money. And again, there's nothing wrong with money. There's nothing wrong with having money. I want to clarify that. There's nothing wrong with you going to Bora Bora, all right? Just don't want you to go on Chase's bill, okay? Once you have some, have a plan. Let's budget. Let's do some things that I think God, again, is asking us to steward. And again, I think about that. As we talked about last week, again, the devil's plan is to kill, steal, and destroy you. But God has a plan. Jesus' way is the way that you can have life and have it more abundantly. But you got to do it his way and not our way. I want to challenge us with that, that that's why a plan is so important. Take, a, take inventory and then create a plan. Watch what Proverbs 21 says. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. I want to challenge us in the room. Listen, I think hard work is a great quality to do and have. I think it's a great quality. Listen, ladies, if you are single and he ain't got a job, dump that dude, all right? I, okay, okay. If he's transitioning jobs, I get it. But if you ain't had a job in years, come on, you're going to have, if you're, if you're single, I'm not talking about if y'all are married, like, no, 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 we got, that's another conversation for another day, okay? But if, if you, if, man, you got to be willing to say, okay, I'm going to put some good planning with some hard work, I'm going to do it God's way. And watch, again, as, as you sow and watch, watch as the, uh, again, God will, God will take that and say, okay, I'm seeing this young man, this woman, steward the blessings I'm giving them. I can trust them with a little more. I can trust them with even more. I think a, a few things, just a quick note, they're not going to be up on the screen, something you can write down. Be a percentage giver. You want to know a plan I just would encourage? I live by myself. Be a percentage giver. We, Allie and I, we sit down every month. We write a plan out. Okay, this is what we believe is going to come in. We're not 100% sure, but okay. This is what we're thinking is coming in. And we say, you know what, we're going to give 10% plus a little bit that we're going to offer. We're going to give that back to God. I would just challenge some of us in the room, begin there. Just begin being a percentage giver. I know you're like, I can't do 10%. Like, I can't afford to. And I just would say something that even Kyle would say, and I love how he says it, I can't afford not to. I can't afford not to. And I think that that's just something that, that again, I can trust God with my eternal salvation but I can't trust him with my finances here on earth. That's kind of difficult, right? It's kind of difficult to think about. But again, great place to, you got to know what you got coming in. You got to know the plan. Minimize your living expenses. Sacrifice and cut. Whoa. We're having a tough day today, okay? We're having a tough day together. Budget. Number three, build an emergency fund. Come on, this sounds like Dave Ramsey right now. Pay off debt. 
invest wisely. Like, I'm just saying, managing money is one of the most spiritual things that we do because it's one of the most visible outward evidences of where our heart actually is. Look at what the Bible says in Luke 12. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And what we want to do is we say, God, we're going to trust you. I mean, I, I, got, I got to have a plan. God has given us a great plan. And again, you can't do what God has trusted you with responsibly unless you know what you have in the first place. Everybody good? Everybody okay? We got two more things. We're going to land the plane. Everybody good? Okay. Everybody okay? Okay, just checking. I think. I'm with you. The next thing I want, to write, I want you to write down, sowing reminds me that I'm not the provider. I think as I'm, I'm, I was working through this this week, I think so many times we can get so caught up in, in this idea. And this is what I, I learned, not, not in a bad way from my parents. My parents are great parents. Love my dad so much. Sets their third row every Sunday. So uh, great hair, dad. You got great hair. <laughs> Hope I get it. I'm so sorry. I'm the real pastor. There's not somebody else coming back next week that's older, wiser, grayer hair. This is it, okay? Um, but sewing reminds me that I'm not a provider. As a, as, a, as a kid growing up, I mean, again, you're taught to work hard. You're taught to go out and, and make a living, do things for yourself. But my thing is, I think the thing that, that I want to challenge us with is what Paul is telling us in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And God will, not, not I will, God will generously provide all that you need. Then you'll always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scripture says, they freely and generously gave to the poor. It's what we just read. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. Watch what it says. For God is the one who provides the seed for the farmer and then the bread to eat. And in the same way, watch what it says. He will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. That this spirit of generosity is going to be cultivated inside of you, not because of what you have done or how you provide, but because God is the provider. I think that's so important for us because Paul is reminding the Corinthian church that God is the ultimate source of blessing and that he multiplies their seed for sowing. It's not my job. It's not my perfect planning. I think they're important. Plans and jobs, yes. It's not my ability. It's not my talent. It's not anything else that are the source of my provision, but it is God. Literally one of his names is Jehovah Jireh, which means I am the great provider. And can anybody testify in their life Well, guess what? It didn't look like it was going to work out. It didn't look like it made any sense. But come on, you had a God that provided. You had a God that showed up even in your desperation. Come on. Is anybody thankful for that? Can we give them a big shout of praise in this place? I think you got to understand. Sowing reminds me I'm not the provider. And so, again, if you've thought those things, understand, listen to me. You're not weird. That's normal. It's normal to think that. It's natural. But we believe that God has more than just natural for you. And he has miracles and supernatural that he wants you to experience. And Psalm 24 tells us that the Lord, everything, like the, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. All of it. And so again, if you had told me this 10 years ago in my life, I would have told you, man, listen, I worked really hard for that. I planned for that. I went to college for this. I busted my tail for that. I studied for that. Like, but I, I, I think about one of the greatest leaders in the Bible. His name's Moses. And Moses had to address some folks who kind of had this same type of mentality, thinking that they were the ones providing for themselves in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 8, this is what he had to say to them. He says, you may say to yourself, my power. Somebody say, my. my. 
my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But watch what Moses says. Great leader that Moses is. says, hey, hey, hey. But remember. Remember, the Lord your God is He. Who? He who gives, gener- gives you the ability to produce wealth. And if I see myself as the provider, I carry the pressure of being the provider. But, but God is the one that gives me the ability. It was God who gave us life. He gave the job, the promotion, the breath in my lungs, the ability. He is Jehovah Jireh, my great provider. I just believe that if we step into that, and again, one of those ways that we can just begin to trust Him in is this idea in the area of our life of sowing and reaping. I think that's something that we can definitely understand, definitely can begin to just walk in. The last thing I'm going to talk about today, last thing I want you to write down is that our sowing actually has a ripple effect. That sowing actually has a ripple effect. Sowing has a ripple effect. When you sow, listen to me, it doesn't just affect you. I want you to understand that. That when you are sowing, that when this idea of generosity happens, when this spirit takes place, that it has a ripple effect. Look at verse 11 of chapter 9 that we just read. Yes, you'll be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. Watch. And when you take your gifts to those who need them, they're going to do what? They're going to thank God. Right? And then watch this. Two things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. So what does Paul say to us right there? He says that their their giving is not only meeting the practical needs of the believers, but that generosity is a spirit, and that the recipients of the generosity, guess what they're going to do? They're going to catch the spirit where they're going to say, you know what? i got to praise God. i got to thank God for this and be grateful for the provision that God has given. So I want us to understand that our acts of generosity become a testimony of the love of God and the provision of our God. Sowing has a ripple effect. And I think about what all that you have sown as a church in the last four years and a little bit, a few months, and I think about the ripple effect that it has had. I got to thinking about it last night and just praying through this. Okay, how can I share this, this idea of what you've sown into and what God has done over the last few years? You have sown into what God is doing here, and, and since Purpose Church started, we've given away almost $200,000 in missions and outreach because you've sown through our partnership with ARC, the Association of Related Churches, Relational Churches. We have been a part of sowing into over 280 church plants all across the globe that may not have the name of Purpose Church on them, but they have the name of Jesus being preached in them. I love that. Guess what? You have sown, and since Purpose Church has started, every single month foster children are cared for when they're taken from their home and put into foster care through an organization that we partner with called Moses Basket. And you may never meet those children, but I want you to know that your sowing has a ripple effect. That it makes a difference every single month that, guess what, that, that literally there are hungry bellies that you and I are a chance of feeding through the fact that soup for the soul every single day is providing a hot meal for them. Guess what, that's a part of your story. That's the ripple effect every single month. Those struggling with homelessness or loss of opportunity have finally been given an opportunity through our partnership with Hope Calloway. Like, I want you to see that that's something that you're sowing into that has a ripple effect. It's not just affecting you. It's affecting other people. Every single month, 
that you are, are investing in and you're sowing into the people that make a decision of whether they're going to keep this baby or they're going to abort this baby. And what we've done is we partner with Lifehouse and they come alongside of these young ladies and they say, hey, we want to mentor you. We want to have relationship with you. We want to encourage you that God has a plan for you and God has a plan for that little baby. And the fact is that you may never meet them, but I want you to know that your sowing has a ripple effect. This month and next month, we've got students that are going to camp for the very first time. Come on, somebody, right? And so, listen, some of them that couldn't afford to go, some of them that didn't have a way that we could get them there and listen to me, they're going to go to camp in a middle school setting, in a high school setting, two different times, and listen, I'm believing that they're going to give their life to Jesus and serve him for the rest of their life. Listen to me. When you sow, it has a ripple effect. Listen, 321 kids at North Elementary School walked away one day a few months ago with a brand new pair of shoes on their feet that they probably, some of them, could never afford in their life and because of your sowing the ripple effect has happened this week on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. We got 47 kids coming into this place right here. And again, we are very intentional with PK Conference. Yeah, we, well, we, we do a lot of outreach, but man, we want to invest in your kids, my kids that are here in this place, and we want to teach them spiritual gifts and how to walk in what God has told them to and how to, to just teach them the values that God wants to instill in them at this age in their life, how to read their Bible how to tell other people about Jesus and their faith in Him. And listen to me, because of your generosity, because you have that spirit, because you've sown, we're believing that this week and at camp, there's going to be pastors raised up, worship leaders anointed, kids pastors, youth pastors, leaders and outreach directors that are going to go up and they are going to go out and change the world. So listen to me. We don't need it. But let's be a part of that. Right? We don't have a need. But, man, I just look outside and think, oh, my gosh, let's keep going. God is not stopping at this time. God is not taking summer break off. But we're going to be a church that says, man, let's go after the next generation. Let's go after your lost co-worker. Let's do whatever it takes. And, again, I think that they'll start to see that whenever you and I develop and continue to grow in our generous spirit. I think that that's something that we got to understand. Sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. What are you sowing now, believing for a harvest later? And I just, I, I can't help but always talk about the man that all of this is about. And his name is Jesus. Right? The man that all of this is about. Jesus is our point here at Purpose Church. And we're going to point every single thing to Jesus. See, I want you to see that Jesus, I believe, even understood this idea of sowing and reaping. I understand this idea that what Jesus did, and you got to understand that what happens with a seed is a seed. What's it get done whenever it goes into the, it, what, what happens? When you, when you want to harvest, what happens? You take a seed and you do what? You bury it. Right? You take a seed and you bury it. What happens is a, a couple days happen. Next thing you know, a harvest begins to take place. Here's what I know Jesus did. This idea of sowing and reaping. You know what Jesus did? Jesus was willing to sow his life for me. And he was willing to take the seed of his perfected life. And he was willing to say, hey, I will go and die. I will go and die on a cross. And then they can bury me for a few days. But guess what? 
There was a harvest coming when he got out of the grave on Sunday. And guess what the harvest is? It's relationship with you and I. That's what he was willing to do. He was willing to go and die for us, be buried out of the grave so that you and I might be forgiven, healed, whole, and in relationship with him for forever. That's what Jesus did. I think Jesus understands this idea of sowing and reaping. And I'm just going to challenge some people in the room. Maybe you don't know Jesus yet. Today's that day. Today's it. Like today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. And I just believe that you walked in this place not by accident or by happenstance. You are here for a reason. And God wanted to speak to you to let you know that today is the day that you give your life to Him. Stop running. Stop trying to plant your own stuff. Man, God has given His life through Jesus for you and me. And why is that a big deal? Because you need to understand that you and I could never do that on our own. And we could never be good enough. We could never be grand enough. We could never be great enough to be able to have a perfect relationship with Jesus. But Jesus came. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So I just want to tell you that there is a a Bible verse that tells us this. How do do I become a part of the family of God? How can I have relationship with Jesus? You want to know how? The Bible says that if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you will believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. And then the Bible goes on to say in the next verse, that it's with your mouth that you confess, but it's with your heart that you believe. And again, just showing up to church doesn't make you a Christian. It's, it's, it's you got to make a decision in your heart, and you got to make a confession with your mouth. 